This episode is brought to you in partnership with Iowa's Healthiest State Initiative and Make It Okay. Did you know one in five will have some kind of mental illness in their lifetime? Make It Okay is a community campaign to reduce stigma by starting conversations and increasing understanding about mental illness. You can take the pledge at makeitokay.org slash Iowa. You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Well, we're just coming off of Mother's Day, and May is maternal mental health. And coming back to the podcast today is Dr. Tyler Van Milligan. She cares for patients at Mercy One Psychiatric Residency Program in Des Moines. So welcome back. Oh, thanks so much for having me again, Adam. I appreciate it. You bet. And also um, on this side of the call, joining me today, uh, Chelsea Keenan. Hi. Hello. Um, So yeah, we want to talk about maternal mental health, Dr. Tyler. And I feel like the first thing that people that comes to mind, we all hear about postpartum depression. So first off, let's, let's talk about that itself. What is it? But that's not the only thing to consider when we talk about maternal mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the more common things that springs to mind for a lot of people when they think about maternal mental well-being. And and I think one thing, a huge misconception is that um, it's actually quite a misnomer to be called postpartum depression um, when a majority, um, at least 50% of cases uh, of depression in pregnancy start while the patient is actually pregnant. Um, and so then it's kind of gains recognition in the postpartum period and hence the term, but the actual clinical diagnostic term is peripartum uh, major depression, which is um, which just means starting in pregnancy itself. A, a lot, it's very common. A lot of women struggle with it um, and not just during one, one of their pregnancies, but if they do have it, and experience it during one pregnancy. Um, it's not uncommon for them to experience it in subsequent pregnancies as well. Um, and it typically occurs within the first four weeks following um, delivery, if not sooner, like we mentioned, during pregnancy. And it can look different for everybody. It doesn't always look the same, but most common symptoms are going to be similar to those experienced by people with just depressive episodes, um, low motivation and energy, insomnia, even, you know, well beyond what you would expect being a new parent um, or having a huge uh, stomach and trying to sleep at night while pregnant, um, changes in appetite, anxiousness, even suicidal thoughts, um, some patients may experience that as well. What drives this? I mean, we, we, we hear about the bundles of joy and congratulations on your new arrival and things like that. So I feel like, you know, some people are like depression. What, what, what do you mean depression? Where does this come from? Um, what are your thoughts there? So it's not absolutely right. A, A lot of, there's a lot of pressure that, that uh, society can put on a new mom, especially. Um, we're supposed to bounce back. We're supposed to be happy. We have this, you know, fresh new life in front of us and we get to change their outfits and 
Um, it's all very exciting and getting newborn pictures and the whole bit and how could somebody possibly be depressed during that time. Um, it actually has a lot to do with uh, hormones um, and the female cycle. When we are pregnant, uh, there's a steady increase in our hormone levels, mainly estrogen and progesterone. Um, those steadily increase throughout the course of the pregnancy. And then um, when you do deliver the baby, there is a sharp reduction in those levels. Um, and it is the actual change and the rate at which those hormones change that can play and have a significant role on mood as well as anxiousness. Um, it can be even so clinically significant that patients actually can have uh, psychotic symptoms too. So it's not so much how much of each hormone you have in your system, it's how quickly they change um, in pregnancy or following delivery. You know, um, that brings up an interesting question f on my perspective, because, you know, all new moms have lots of hormonal changes, right? Your hormones are changing all through pregnancy. They're changing right after delivery. They're changing, um, you know, for quite some time to try to regulate themselves. So how, how can you know the difference between just the normal hormonal changes that are going to make you kind of feel all, all over the place and crazy and, um, you know, just, and then something that's actually more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, something that you actually need to go in and get help for. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think I, I also don't want to perpetuate the false, uh, ideology and, um, genderized stereotype that, you know, uh, women are hormonal and, oh, it's just the hormones, right? Like that totally can be a construct that I by no means want to perpetuate. Um, and I don't want women to fall into that misconception either and brush off what they're feeling um, because it's just hormonal and it's expected. Uh, that is far from true. Um, although there are changes, absolutely. But if it's getting to a point where you're, you yourself as an individual are having trouble in your daily functioning, um, meaning it could even be just internalized. There, there doesn't have to be, you're not getting tasks done or things like that, but you really yourself are noticing a subjective um, interruption in how you feel and how you are functioning inside internally as a person, then I encourage somebody to go see somebody. Um, diagnostically on paper, it, if, if it extends beyond the first week after delivering your baby, um, then it goes beyond baby blues is the term that a lot of people um, have to describe that first week. Uh, but I would argue that and say that if you're questioning whether or not you need to speak to someone, then it might be worth exploring um, because it's very much a subjective experience. Yeah, pair pair the the hormonal changes on top of just all the new things all at once. The increased demand that you've never experienced before as a new parent. The on and off on call basically all hours of the day and night, early mornings. Uh, you're not on your own schedule anymore. You're on the baby's schedule. So that on top of of hormones can be a world of change. So we, we talk about the baby blues, postpartum depression, but there's a lot more that goes into maternal mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
because, you know, humans by nature, we, we're hormonal creatures. I mean, all animals really are, but, um, and, and our hormones don't change solely when we're pregnant or, or, or after delivery, but um, there is, um, there are changes with each menses that women experience uh, that can result in, in changes in mood. Um, and they're commonly referred to PMS, um, but for very similar reasons, women will experience shifts in their moods prior to uh, their periods. And that also can be treatable through a primary care provider or a psychiatrist. Um, if you feel like it's impacting um, your ability to, to function every day, um, typically happens about the week prior to menses. And again, that's because of changes in estrogen and progesterone levels. And um, women can experience depressive symptoms, anxious symptoms, suicidal thoughts, you name it. And medicines can help. And also seeking out therapy can also help with that. Um, but that's just one additional example of how um, fluctuations in these, in these hormones for women can result in mood changes too. Similarly, in, later in life with menopause, um, our ovaries stop kicking out quite as much estrogen and then eventually altogether they stop producing it, um, which has an upward effect on the access of hormones in our bodies. And again, a rate of change occurs and then we can see changes in mood at that point um, as well. All of these hormonal changes superimposed on, like you mentioned, Adam, um, there are cultural expectations for women, um, uh, being a new mom, um, being a grandmother, um, showing up in, in the lives of our families in the ways that we're expected to, um, and work full time and breastfeed and all of these other responsibilities. Um, it definitely can have a confounding effect on things. Do you think because there are so many expectations put on moms and new moms, it makes it harder for some women to maybe go and seek help and admit that they're having some struggles and they need a little bit of extra help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there is a cultural standard that women are expected to maintain, um, wear multiple hats at the same time and, you know, quickly meet multiple expectations, including some of their own that may or may not be reasonable um, given everything that they're, they're contending with. And although I feel like knowing all of that, women want to save a lot of that face and not ask for help as easily, um, studies do indicate that women tend to ask for help and go seek psychiatric care far more frequently than their male counterparts, which is promising. Um, but it also can be misleading information because I think a lot of women still hold back quite a bit um, and are, like you said, a little reluctant to ask for help when needed because they think that they should be able to manage it all. Um, and that's just not true. And I think a lot of women are silently struggling. Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment that you know you have to make and you want to put your baby first. And sometimes it can be really hard to try to put yourself first and, and realize that you are struggling. Totally. And I tell a lot of my patients, um, you know, knowing that their value is the well-being of their babies um, and their families, that they have to take care of their baby's mom, 
you're it for them, right? You've got to um, make sure that you're functioning your best so that your baby gets the, your best version. Uh, and one way to do that is to slow down and say, hey, am, am I really doing okay? Or um, would it be okay if I went and talked to someone? You know, as a dad, I, I can relate to the conversation. I know my wife is is uh, definitely the MVP of the household. Um, gosh, it's just really amazing how much she does, all mothers do, um, but is also very proud of of being the caregiver. And, you know, I always try to make sure that, like, I'm asking, like, how can I help today? What can I do? And it's, no, I got it. I got it. You're good. You're, I've, I've got it under control. It's like, okay, yes, you do. But I'm taking the baby for a little bit and giving you a break. Make sure you get your break. And guys, ask your wife if you or your partner or, or how you can help to do that. Um, anyway. Um, as a mom and also as a mental health expert, was there anything in, in your journey as a new mom that maybe surprised you or um, you were kind of caught off guard about when it came to your own mental health and kind of balancing all of the expectations and everything else that we've been talking about? Yeah, actually. And um, with moms that are struggling with breastfeeding, I think this is something that comes up um, at least I, has been my experience as both, you know, having friends and with patients exposure. Um, there's a, there's a lot of pressure that I think women put on each other and ourselves and society puts on us to be the perfect mom and to, to breastfeed because breast is best. And even as some medical professionals, they'll really put that, that pressure on and, I, in faced with it myself, you know, I realized that it just depends on the circumstance and each kid is different. Each life circumstance is different and each woman is different with what they have going on in their lives. And ultimately a mentally um, healthy mom is the best thing you can possibly feed your child with as opposed to, you know, whether it's breast or formula. Um, in my opinion, both now as a mom and as a professional. And um, but I think if I can communicate anything in regards to what was, that was totally unexpected, um, not fully, but I have a more intimate understanding of that struggle now. And I just want to highlight to other moms that, you know, fed is best. Um, and as long as you're taking care of your kid's mom in terms of mental health, physical health, and doing the best you can, that's, that's, going to have the best outcomes. Yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, I think so many moms, myself included, go into it thinking, well, breastfeeding is natural. It should be easy. It should come to me and baby easily. It's hard. It's a lot of work and it's really hard and it takes time to for you and your baby to figure it out. And it's really easy to beat yourself up about it if you don't think you're doing it correctly. And I think, you know, you're right. It fed is best and it's important to have a, a healthy mom and a fed and happy baby and moms need to, you know, make the decision that's best for them and their families. There were definitely some tears in our household because that process, you're right, for both mom and baby, learning how that works, that wasn't an easy road. I Even from the dad <laughs> side of things, I could see that. So yeah, there were some tears there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I will say everybody in this conversation, um, we all had children in the last year. What a year to bring a new uh, person into the world with the pandemic. That's a whole new level of added stress. Oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) To To put it simply, yes. (laughs) To put it simply, like from... Ugh, just navigating the process of, of delivering in a hospital during the pandemic and visitors and oh my goodness, yes. Getting diapers for a while was was almost impossible. And that, that added, I think, to the, you know, coming home from the hospital and expectations that we were kind of talking about earlier. You know, I think in a normal world, you'd be welcoming the, the grandparents to come meet the new addition that very first day. And um, I know in my household, we didn't, that didn't happen for another month after um, our daughter came into the world. Um, and then even then it was opposite sides of the room wearing masks. There were like, do, does, does she even know what her grandparents look like without a mask on? Um, and then, you know, a few months later, even like, you know, most people would probably be looking for daycare and is it safe to put our children with the other, you know, there was a lot of questions over the last year, guys. So, I mean, we didn't even have, we had a babysitter for the first time, I think two weeks ago. That was the first time in my son's entire almost year of life that we had someone come in that wasn't us to take care of him. And I think, you know, obviously I knew there was a lot, we were, we were responsible for a lot of things because all of your normal support systems were kind of taken away in the pandemic. But I don't think it was really until we got outside of the house and like had some dinner and, and he wasn't there with us that I was really like, wow, like that, this has been crazy. This is what people do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. has been wild. Well, and even like getting together with other new parents for things like play dates and things like that, something that we pushed off as long as we could until we knew it was safe. So Dr. Tyler, uh, from your perspective too, as a, as a, as a mom, uh, how did that go for you? Yeah, I think it was, it felt really isolating, right? Like in a time that's already challenging enough, you know, um, with all the changes in, in your body and schedule and not having that support can feel, can feel isolating for sure. Um, and I remember having, moments where I obviously I work full time and trying to, you know, balance three kids and, and work, we, we, we do have to use daycare. And I remember bringing baby to daycare and looking at all of the staff in their shields and their masks and, you know, in the line of work that I'm in, you know, facial expressions are so important for emotional recognition. And especially with young infants in that first formative year of life, like, I was just, it just blew my mind that, okay, maybe my baby's not going to know if someone's smiling at her, like the small things, right? Um, And she since is now in an in-home daycare and um, with vaccinations, all of this is improving and lifting a little bit, but, um, but yeah, uh, it's just, it's been a tough year um, for new parents you know, dads too. Um, well, and even in a regular world, just dropping off that child with another person for the first time already adds anxiety and stress um, that I can't even fathom right now. But um, so that's something to consider too, even in a normal world. So I made my husband drop my son off at daycare because I knew I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's, you know, and those are some baseline feelings, let alone in a pandemic when people's faces are completely covered. Yeah. All right, Dr. Tyler, uh, we appreciate you spending the last 20 minutes or so with us. Uh, anything you want to add uh, before we wrap up about maternal mental health? Yeah, absolutely. There's the So one last thing I kind of want to stress is that there's a huge misconception out there um, that I hear about a lot that, you know, women um, are both fearful to seek help because they, uh, because taking medicines, if, if their depression, anxiety, or what other mental health concern they have requires um, medical treatment, um, they have a fear in terms of how that will impact their pregnancy or their breast milk supply, or, um, you know, have just reservations about the whole process. And I, I do want to stress that there are medicines that can be safely um, taken and you just need to navigate those with your provider, whether that's your primary care provider or a psychiatrist, that there are options and there are therapy options as well, non-medicinal um, uh, options uh, available. So I, I want to encourage women to not totally avoid seeking care because of those concerns. Um, we're able to have conversations about it, and um, I encourage them to seek it out if, if they do need it. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Tyler, again, for joining us again on the Mercy One podcast and, and taking some time with us today to share your, your expert insight to this subject. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adam. I always It's always a pleasure. Well, thanks again to Dr. Tyler and everything about maternal mental health. Uh, guys, if you didn't call your mom, say thank you for everything. Call your grandmothers and th for, for helping them raise your mom and your parents and things like that. So make sure to say thanks, guys. Um, I'm sure that there are questions that you have and things that we didn't cover that you would like us to. So head to mercyone.org slash podcast. Send us that feedback. Send us your questions and uh, we'll get them on the next one. And you can also find all of our other episodes. Speaking of other episodes, I want to tell you about um, episode 17 and 18, both about preparing for baby and what it's like as a new parent and all the things that can come with it. So um, go back into our feed and check that out. And a reminder to make it okay here to help educate Iowans and get the conversations going about mental illness and behavioral health so we can end the stigma. Together, we can make it okay. Learn more at makeitok.org slash Iowa. Thank you.